0: connects you with your with your childhood and with your family. It really is a, it's the glue in many situations.
1: Judy Van Leuven and I grew up together in a tiny little town in western Montana. Population, when we were growing up, around 3,000, give or take. The biggest city closest to us was 18 miles away. Population, 10,000. And in those days, it was a special treat to go into town. Before the malls and McDonald's, the place to go was the five and dime for a sandwich at the lunch counter.
0: My grandmother worked at Alton Pierce Drug a couple decades, but she managed the lunch counter for many of those years. And she made everything there from scratch. She even made homemade mayonnaise before we called it fancy names like aioli. My earliest memory of going in there is sitting at those booths that they had in the back. I must have been about four or five. My mom would take us in there to visit grandmother. We didn't come to town, what we called going to town, very often. But when we did, we would swing by there and visit my grandmother.
1: Welcome to the Heritage Cookbook Project podcast, where we document and preserve heritage by connecting with cooks across the country who share food memories, family recipes, and a little of themselves. And I'm your host, Leigh Olson.
0: worked at Alt Pierce Drug. What she wanted to do was to scoop ice cream. She wanted to be the ice cream scoop girl when she was in high school and um, she was so short, she was five foot even. She was so short she couldn't reach in to scoop them so she couldn't get the job. (laughs) So she ended up doing the deliveries. and That's actually how she met my father. She was delivering drugs to the funeral home. Was it called Wagner Funeral Home I think at the time? Um, And he was working for Wagner They're just like a few blocks down from Alton Pierce Drug, and she would deliver their pharmaceuticals. And so that's how she met my dad.
1: Having a grandmother who is skilled in the kitchen doesn't always mean that her children will be blessed with that skill, or even interested in it. And new products and trends being introduced by brands touting ease and freedom from mundane tasks can take a further toll.
0: My mother was the worst cook in the entire world. She obviously didn't take up my grandmother's passions. Her sister, Mary Ellen, was a, a fabulous cook, but mom didn't want to cook at all. She was from that era where pre-packaged, you, you made it, right? I had a real diet of fast food growing up, which was not a healthy, because I still have a craving for it. You know, I, I still like it sometimes, and I have food memories of going to fast food. I, mostly, I have food memories with my mother of going to the smorgasbord places. She loved a place where you could go to a smorgasbord and they had just like everything.
1: Judy's and my homemade food experiences really paralleled each other and were definitely influenced by the prepackaged food era we grew up in. And let me tell you, it was a red letter day when McDonald's came to the big city 18 miles away. But with a grandmother that lived so close, Judy and her sisters and brother did get to experience some wonderful homemade cooking.
0: My grandmother, Nellie Kennedy, she was really a good cook. She made all kinds of great food. She made fried chicken every Sunday. And that was, you know, our favorite thing she ever made. Grandma Kennedy's fried chicken recipe is the best in the entire planet. We would help her cook her fried chicken. But, you know, she never had a recipe written down. Everything was in her head after doing it for decades. She always would always cut up a whole chicken. You never bought a chicken already cut up. She would always break down the whole chicken. She wouldn't pay a single penny more to have somebody else do work that she could do. And she would always split the breast because there was four of us kids and my mom and dad and whoever else might come by. And she would put it in a bowl and cover it with buttermilk and slice raw onions and just white onions. I don't think it mattered what kind she had. And she would let it sit in that overnight. One thing I remember really strongly about her chicken, it was so heavily peppered. She liked to put black pepper in everything. She would mix the flour with equal parts of salt and pepper. So basically, she had like a tablespoon of salt, roughly, and she'd have a whole tablespoon of black pepper in there as well. I always use onion powder and garlic powder as well, but I'm not sure if she used those. I know she used a little paprika because there's always a little bit of color. And she always, we always did it in a brown paper bag and shook the chicken pieces really well. She always had a big tub of Crisco because she made biscuits and all that stuff as well. She also had the big you know, one gallon can of bacon fat, of course, on the on the stove. Never refrigerated, right? It was always on the stove which, where she'd dump all of her grease and her bacon fat. And I think, if I remember right, I think she probably used about equal parts of bacon fat and equal parts of Crisco. I don't think it was all bacon fat. And she would put that in the pan to cover the chicken maybe about halfway up. So maybe it went up about half an inch, I would guess, in a big cast iron pan she had. She made sure to cook it till the the outside wasn't just golden brown. It was more, it was not burnt. It didn't go to the level of burnt, but it was always kind of a darker brown.
1: After the break, trading lunches, rediscovering the value of family recipes, and the right way to eat fried chicken. This episode of the Heritage Cookbook Project podcast is supported by Bob's Red Mill. When you're making those treasured family recipes, don't leave the quality of your ingredients to chance. Visit bobsredmill.com to find out more about this employee-owned company, their products, and how you can fill your pantry with them. With their products, not their employees. Growing up in western Montana meant lots of outdoor activities, including fishing. And in the fall, the main attraction for fishing was snagging the salmon that were running in the Flathead River.
0: Everybody had these little outhouse-looking smokehouses in their yard, and I'd go to school because my mom didn't cook fish, and I'd go to school, and every day during that season, some kid would be unwrapping this big hunk of smoked salmon. I would have the same thing every day, just bologna on Wonder Bread with butter, and I would say to my mom, please Please don't put butter on my bologna sandwich. I want miracle whip. And she would say, Okay, honey. And then the next day I would get a bologna and butter sandwich. Every single time. She never remembered to put the miracle whip instead of the butter. And so I would try to train that bologna sandwiches for those smoked fish every chance I got. It's like and the other kids who never got bologna loved it. So funny. But I just remember training those for that smoked fish and thinking I was the luckiest person in the world. I didn't start loving cooking until I was probably in my 30s. I don't think that I recognized that that had any value. First off, I really wanted to get out of that area. I knew I didn't want to live in that area. And I wanted to have a good job so that I could go to something else. And being a cook and, you know, doing anything like that, it didn't even occur to me that that had any value at all. And so I never even thought to bother to ask her to teach me things or to show me things when I was in high school and in my early 20s. And it's really unfortunate. So I've been, I've worked really hard to try to duplicate the recipe.
1: When I asked Judy if there was anything else that she wanted to add about her grandma or the fried chicken recipe, she started to giggle and said this. And by the way, Jody is Judy's twin sister. She was
0: scary. <laughs> She hit John one time, Jody's husband. And this is this is funny because it relates to the chicken. So we had bought her fried chicken probably from Kentucky Fried Chicken. We brought it up to the home. She was living in a, in a manor there for the last few years of her life. And Jody's boyfriend or husband now, John, was trying to eat it with a fork and knife for some odd reason. And she hit him so hard with her cane and said, pick that up and eat it. That's not how you eat chicken. You pick that up and eat it. <laughs> Food is so much about our culture and our love and our families. I would love to stand side by side and be able to cook with my grandmother.
1: I hope that you enjoyed Judy's story about fried chicken and rediscovering the importance of family recipes. And if you want to hear more stories like this, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. The full recipe for Grandma Kennedy's fried chicken can be found at the theheritagecookbookproject.com, and don't forget to register for access to the printable cookbook pages. Cheers! The Heritage Cookbook Project podcast was produced and edited by me. I'm Lay Olson. The Heritage Cookbook Project will be back in two weeks on September 24th with episode 11, Apple Strudel and Birth Mothers. Until then, thank you so much for listening. And make sure that you ask your grandmas to write down their recipes.